1 Samuel chapter 30, starting at verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites that invaded the south of, and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the, all the people were grieved, every man for his son and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, Ahimelech, son of Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover them all. So David went, he and 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook uh, Bezor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued, and 400, he had 400 men. For two hundred stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross uh, the brook Bezor. Then they found the Egyptian with a, in a field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread to eat, and they let him drink water, and they gave him a piece of uh, cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the south, southern area of the Kirathites in the territory which belongs to Judah and the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Can you take me down to the, this troop? And he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor do, uh, deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I pray for your anointing 
I pray, God, that uh, this word that has uh, come forth here this morning, this uh, word that is so clear uh, that, Lord, you would use this word to encourage us. For, God, we desire that the Holy Spirit would speak to us. We desire that our hearts and our minds would be open and that, Lord, we would be filled to overflowing. God, we know that except you make these truths known to us, Lord, uh, it just will not be done. So right now, would you anoint our ears to hear and anoint this pastor to preach in Jesus' name. Amen. We've all had days... Uh, when everything just seems to fall apart. Days when uh, it seems like the Lord has turned, uh, uh, turned his back and we, we don't even uh, sense his presence. We've all had these type of days and uh, how do we handle them? A crisis tells a lot about how a man, what a man has deep within him. And it's when you're going through the crisis that you can really draw near to the Lord. It seems like it's in those valley experiences. And I want you to notice here that <clears throat> David, he's in deep trouble. And it says that they cried until they could cry no more. They, they just didn't have strength to cry anymore. Have you ever, have you ever felt like, I, I just, I've cried until I can't cry anymore. I, my tear, tear ducts have run dry. I just, I, I just can't do it anymore. I think what we're talking about here is deep distress. We're talking about these, these men were going to stone David. I mean, it wasn't bad enough that his wives had been taken from him. Now, those that are his friends wanted to stone him. And... Uh, I think there was a bitter spirit in the camp. But I want you to notice in verse 6, and I want to use this as my text, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the times of deep distress, you and I have someone we can turn to. Hallelujah. There is no situation that we can get into that's hopeless. Our God is able to deliver us. Amen? David searched for God's will first of all. Verse 8, So David inquired 
of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? You see, a lot of times you and I, when we get into trouble, instead of inquiring of the Lord first, what we do is uh, we wait until there's no other alternative, and then we call on the Lord. And I think there's a lesson here to be learned by us that, first of all, when we get into these terrible situations, that we call on the name of the Lord, that we get the mind of the Lord for that situation. Too often we lean on the flesh, and then when things get bad enough, then we begin to pray. I think we need to pray first and foremost whenever things begin to go wrong. His men uh, were looking for someone to blame, but David was looking for a solution. Isn't that neat? Hallelujah. How many of you, be truthful now, when you get into a problem, it's always someone else's fault. You always are looking for someone, if it wasn't for my wife, then that wouldn't have happened. If it wasn't for my partner, we wouldn't be in this condition. If it wasn't for that lady that lives next door to me, and so on. We're always looking for someone to lay, shift the blame to. And uh, his men were just about to act very rashly. It had to be David's fault. I mean, after all, he's the leader. It had to be David's fault. And so they were going to stone him. But put yourself in the shoes of that leader for a moment. Can you imagine how he felt? Everything seems to have toppled. Everything has gone wrong. He's lost his wife, his wives. <laughs> their children, those that he was responsible for, their wives and their children's been taken. And I imagine if anyone had a, a reason to turn to the arm of flesh, it would have been David. But instead, it says that he strengthened himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. You see, David never let the situation get the best of him. Verse 9. So David went, he and 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those 
stayed who were left behind. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Bezor. Despair has a way of making us intolerant and unkind. Come on now. Tell the truth. When you're in distress, what's the first reaction that normally takes place? Normally, our first reaction is to lash out to whoever happens to be standing next to us. If it's a loved one, they're normally the first one to stand under our wrath. Can you imagine? Here he is. He could have said, I'm trying my best. I'm tired too. What do you guys think you're doing? Staying here? Can't go on any further, you weaklings? You know, he could have, he could have really got upset with them. And you know, in my first couple of churches, when things began to look like they were going wrong, the first thing I'd do is I'd get in my spirit, those people, those people, if it wasn't for those people, what is the matter with them? How come they can't? You know what I'm talking about, George? And it's not their fault. If they're tired, they're tired. How many times, Lee, have you got up here and, and, and <clears throat> gonna, gonna lead some song service? And everybody's out there. And you say, what is the matter with those people? Well, they can't help it if they're tired. If they're tired, they're tired. And I'm glad that David did recognized that, hey, you're tired? Stay here. I'm going on. I'm going to get the victory. You want to stay behind? Fine. Sit right there. I'm going on. <clears throat> Can you imagine a third of his men? A third of them. How would you feel if all of a sudden a third of the people that were supposed to be behind you in WM's, Betty, just decided not worth showing up for it. You kind of get discouraged. How about Sunday school teachers? All of a sudden, a third of your class doesn't show up, and here you've, you've studied hard all week to try to put on a lesson for them, and a third of them don't show up. He's already discouraged. He's already under 
uh, under a, a stress. After all, uh, the enemy has taken his family and his friends want to stone him. And now those that are supposed to be supporting him, a third of them wants to sit down and quit. <clears throat> Did he yell and cry and scream and rant and rave? No. Did he condemn them? No. David had compassion on them. And he just let them stay there. He wasn't even upset with them. I got I to gotta admit to you this morning, if I'd have been David, <clears throat> I'd have been steaming. Put yourself in his place for a minute. Wouldn't you have been steaming? Hey, after all, my wife is somewhere captive and my kids and my, my household goods and everything's gone. What's the matter with you idiots? <laughs> I'd have been just a little upset. But David just lets them stay behind. <clears throat> Then he comes to this Egyptian. And this Egyptian is sick. He's been out there in the desert for three days and three nights without any water. How many of you, when you, when you got your mind set on something, you can't think of anything else until, until you take care of that thing you got your mind set on? I see, I have that problem. It, it, it's called a one-track mind, I guess. <clears throat> what are you laughing at, Bobby? <clears throat> I'm just being truthful. I got a one-track mind. Till I take care of problem number one, I can't concentrate on problem number two and three. <clears throat> and I don't like being interrupted. So I can put myself in David's place. Here he is. Talk about hindrances. His friends want to stone him. A third of the people want to stay behind. And now here comes someone that's going to slow him down. I think that uh, a lot of us would have said, hey, give him a, a jug of water and let's get going. Or maybe you don't know how long it's going to take you to catch these other people and you can't spare the food and the water. Going to look out for number one first in this situation. But even in his trouble, even in the dilemma that he finds himself in, he takes time to give this man a drink of water, feed him, kind of look after him a little bit. That's, that's so foreign to most of us, isn't it? Most of us are so wrapped up in our own lives that we can't stop and think about someone else 
as long as we got problems. I'm, I'm all lined up in my own problems. Hey, you take care of yours. I've got to take care of my own. But it wasn't that way with David. He didn't say, don't bother me. He didn't say, I'm preoccupied. I, I've got problems of my own. But he took time to feed him and visit with him. And his kindness to this slave turned out to be the key to his problem. You know, sometimes God works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. Amazing! This act of kindness turns out to be the key to his problem. And it would have been so easy to, for that Jewish woman to just drive right on by, even when God said, stop and pick up this hitchhiker. Right? David stopped, and that act of kindness just happened to be the key. I want you to note the question that David asked this slave in verse 13. To whom do you belong? Where are you from? Them are good questions, aren't they? Very important questions. And I want you to note the Egyptian's answers. He says, I'm an Egyptian the slave of an Amalekite. In, in Scripture, Egypt is always a type of sin. An Amalekite is a type of the devil. And here we have a man who was a slave to the devil, slave to sin. And as soon as he got sick, he was abandoned. Isn't that the way with the devil? He'll take care of you as long as you're serving him, and when, when you're no longer of any use to, you, to him, he just kind of casts you aside. left him there to die. But you know, we have one that says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. I'm a love slave. He set me free from the devil, and now I'm his slave. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man may have many companions and come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Hallelujah. I think David had learned that truth. 
His friends had forsaken him. Some of his warriors had stayed behind. But God, but God, God would never leave him. Romans 8, verse 31 says, If God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 28 says that all things work together for good for them that love God and who are called according to his purpose. He can take the worst awful situations and turn them around and make it work out for good. Hallelujah. And when the crisis was over, David still kept his perspective. Instead of gloating or retaliating or something else, look at verse 21. Now David came to the 200 men who had been uh, so weary, and they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Bezor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered except for every man's wife and children, that they may learn, uh, lead them away and depart. But David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered us out of the hand of the troop that uh, came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. And so it was from that day forward he made it, an, made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Wouldn't it have been easy to say, you, you quitters, <laughs> forget it, you don't get anything. But David looked at it a whole lot different. David uh, and his men ended up with their families, their property, the loot that the, the Amalekites uh, had left behind. And he wanted to share it. He said, God has given us this victory. And because God has freely given it to us, we can freely give it to those who don't deserve it, can't we? Can't we? Amen. You know, there's a lesson right here. They not only got their families and their, their own stuff back, but they got, they got some, some extra. How many of you know God always gives you more than he takes away? Always. What may seem like a disaster can turn out to be a blessing. I may have told this story 
<clears throat> here in this church before, if I have, you'll have to excuse me, I'm getting old and kind of forgets some of these things. But when we lived in Niagara Falls, <clears throat> our house got broken into, and my oldest daughter, Brenda, her clarinet was stolen. And uh, so she was really upset about the whole thing. And I told her, well, don't you worry about it, honey. I said, God will give you better than what was taken from you. And so we found that there was a, she had a, a student clarinet, kind of made out of plastic or something, you know. And we found that there was a wood clarinet that just happened to be on sale and it was for the price that the insurance company had given me to replace it with. And she got a better clarinet out of the whole deal than what had been taken from her. And that was a lesson to her. And I think that most of us need to learn that lesson. God does not take anything from you but what he'll give you better if you give it up willingly and just let the Lord have his way in your life. <clears throat> uh, I think David's men here found out that sharing was the thing that should be done. And David himself kept a perspective on this thing. I think we need to keep a perspective when we're in trouble. Amen? The Lord saw them through the crisis, and the Lord wanted, to share, wanted them to share with their brethren. So in closing, let me ask you some questions here. When you're in a crisis, do you look to someone to blame or do you look to the Lord and to the Word of God <clears throat> for ways to deal with your problems rather than, than just sitting around complaining about them? Secondly, <clears throat> do you let your problems gnaw at you until you are eaten up with them or when, and eaten up with self-pity? Or do you look for kind things to do for someone else? And thirdly, do you gloat over your victories or do you remember that the victory was the Lord's? I think Christ... <clears throat> is our example. It says on the night in, he, in which he was betrayed, first of all, he fed him. He fed his enemy. The one who dipped in the cup with him took the sop and dipped it. The one who was eating right there with him was the one that was turning him in. If your enemy does something bad against you, you're to do good to them. 
and thereby you heap coals upon their head, right? The second thing that Jesus did when he was betrayed, he took and got down and washed their feet. He started serving someone else when he was in a crisis. He was more worried about serving his friends than he was about the situation he was in himself. And thirdly, he found a place of prayer and he tried to get the disciples to pray. And last of all, he just plain accepted the, the will of God. And David is a type of Jesus. And we need to accept God's will for our lives and not let things that happen in our lives ruin our testimony.